Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know the song, Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so. What's the next part? Little ones. Go ahead. To him belong. But he is strong. Oh, we love to hear kids sing that song, don't we? We love it. It's so cute. On some level, we probably wax nostalgic because we think it is about, and maybe only about, the little kids. Right? Little ones to Him belong. But if you think that you are not among the little ones who belong to Jesus, you're probably gotten too big for your britches. Yes, you have. It's a universal malady, even for Christians. Because of our fallen, sinful human nature, we all get too big for our britches, even the 12 disciples. You might look at the gospel lesson and say, boy, there's a lot of stuff in there. It's not related at all. It is all of Mark 9. All of Mark 9 is about the 12 being too big for their britches. Most of it, anyway. If you remember, we talked not too long ago about the disciples had tried to cast out an unclean spirit and were unable to do it. Didn't have the force to do it. Jesus, on the other hand, well, that's a different story. He restores the boy with His Word. And in this clash between Christ and Satan and His minions... The disciples do not marvel and rejoice at Christ's victory. They do not pray, praise, and give thanks that the reign of God has come among them in the person of Christ. They dwell on themselves. Why could we not cast it out? And our Lord turns their attention back to God. This kind cannot be driven out by anything other than prayer. Trust in the Lord. He must act. Pray. Don't make it about you. But the message has a hard time getting through on people who are too big for their britches. So much so that not that many verses later, the disciples are arguing about who among them is the greatest, right? Oh my. <laughs> Jesus again redirects their attention. So Jesus takes a little child that's among them and says to them, whoever receives one such child for the sake of my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. But what does this mean? When we hear that, we probably focus on the child part and not on for the sake of my name part. That's the important part. For the sake of my name. Isaiah 48.11 might help put this in perspective. What's so important about the name of God, right? We pray that it may be hallowed among us, God's name. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Jesus is trying to get these boasting disciples, these 
men who are too big for their britches, fighting over who is the greatest, to see it's not about you. It's about what God is doing. It's about His great name and His great salvation. And even if a child would proclaim this, which they do, the message is what is important. Jesus is trying to get them to see themselves as children. Their status as little ones on their own right credentials. We are little ones. We know, we know what's wrong. Sin, death, and the power of the devil run rampant in this world. All are vulnerable, right? That's the thing with kids. They're vulnerable. But we're all vulnerable. All of us. Totally vulnerable apart from God and His Word. And His providence and His protection. All are Vulnerable. Did the disciples get the message? It doesn't seem that way. They're still focused on themselves and their status. In today's gospel from Mark 9, John comes to Jesus saying, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Was John's reaction prompted by jealousy? Right? Peter, James, and John were coming down from the mountain of transfiguration. And then there was this deal with the demon, right? But was he prompted by jealousy for when they couldn't cast out a demon? Now here's someone else doing it. Who knows? Was he influenced by cultural nuances at the time? And these cultural nuances were these in the ancient Near East, right? That you totally accepted family, extended family, and friends as insiders. You showed them great, great courtesy and trust. Now contrast that with everyone else outside the circle who were treated with suspicion, indifference, and even hostility. Whatever the reason, whatever the reason, right? John says stop. Whatever the reason John has for trying to stop one outside of the group from doing acts of mercy in Christ's name Jesus again tries to take the focus off of the disciples themselves. The concern is not who is doing these acts of mercy, but how they are doing it. Is it in keeping with their vocation? Is it faithful? Does it really point to Jesus? Again, the devil and powers and authorities of darkness seek to separate us from God. And his salvation, all are vulnerable. And John's more concerned about who is doing it than the one who's being delivered. It's a problem. And in this particular case, Jesus affirms that this act, the casting out of a demon by someone other than the twelve, is done to his glory and the furthering of his kingdom. So Jesus says, no, don't stop him, right? Don't stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. But it's interesting because as the text progresses, Jesus also affirms the special status of the apostles. Okay? He affirms their special status. 
not in themselves, though, but in the message that they will carry in their witness for Christ, because the message that they carry is the gospel, the power of salvation for all who believe. They will be tasked with speaking the word, baptizing, celebrating the Lord's Supper. And their message and the means would not focus or dwell on their own greatness, but point to the one who suffered, died, and rose for all. The one who actually brings the rule and reign of God and His forgiveness of salvation to little ones like you, like me, and like them. Children suffering against the dark domain of sin, death, and again, the power of the devil. It's about the message. After all, the disciples witnessed all that Jesus began to do and teach. They saw all that happened from his baptism and would witness all that he did until his ascension. And through the witness and proclamation of the apostles, God's word, Christ's word, would continue to be spread would continue to be received. And that has eternal implications. Jesus says to the twelve, now he's talking to the twelve, for truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. What matters for salvation in the kingdom of God? Do you have to do great works like miracles? Do you have to cast out demons? All those things are magnificent and great. They certainly point to the rule and reign of God through Christ. That is true. But receiving the message of the gospel is what is essential. Receiving those who carry the message is essential. Whoever gives you a cup of of cold water, because you belong to Christ. In other words, that act of receiving the message and giving the disciples a cup of cold water is a saving work because it's done through faith. Jesus does not take issue with those doing powerful works in his name, right? But he wants to be clear about something else. And this is how this all kind of relates together. Jesus takes extreme issue extreme issue with anyone who would teach or do anything outside of his word. Anyone, especially who does these to any of his little ones who believe in him, does them to Jesus himself. Anyone who does these things commits a great evil that has eternal consequence, right? Whoever causes one of these little ones, and again, that's all of us, okay? Too big for your britches. You're thinking about the kids. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. That doesn't end well, by the way. Don't try it at home. Our Lord then encourages his hearers, and of course, this is figurative, to part with whatever members commits these sins. Now, what does he mean? Don't actually <laughs> separate and cut off body parts, but turn from the evil that are committed by those body parts, right? Jesus wants you to know just how serious it is to make another believer stumble and cause them to sin and teach false doctrine 
and help them and, and encourage them to engage in evil, which is anything against God's will. The gospel itself is at stake. We all must acknowledge that on many occasions, we get way too big for our britches and convince ourselves and convince others to depart from God's word, from Christ's word. It's so easy to put those big boy pants back on, right? Convince ourselves and others to break God's law that it doesn't matter. And we certainly convince ourselves and others to look to our own greatness and our own ideas and our own opinions. You get it. Shrewdness, wisdom, and God's small g become the source of our security. Ironically, here's the case. The, as we, if we do view ourselves no longer as little ones who belong to Jesus, that really does place us in the line of fire, right? Hey, I don't need your word and you. And that really does place us in the line of fire. Or more appropriately, uh, in the danger of the unquenchable fire. Indeed, Jesus warns that if we stay rooted in our big britches, in our sh own shrewdness, our own wisdom, our God's small g, all of those things will get shot to hell and they'll bring us right along with them. But here's the good news. Our king will not sit idly by. He will do his work. Jesus promises his hearers in today's gospel. He says these words. and you, When you heard it, you're probably like, okay, let's just skip that. He said, everyone will be salted by fire. Oh my. What is this? Purgatory? What is this? What is he talking about? Everyone will be salted by fire. That sounds bad. But remember the words of John the Baptist concerning Christ's work? Hear these words from Luke 3. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John the Baptist, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor, to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff to burn with unquenchable fire. God salts you. He has salted you through his word and sacraments by his Holy Spirit. He uses these means to purge from us everything that would impede his rule and reign in us. He flavors our hearts and minds. He preserves and sustains us through these means in faith. He conforms us to the likeness of His Son. We dare not show contempt for this salting, thinking, no, you know what? The flavors of my life are just fine. What a great bouquet I have concocted. I'm an adult. I can do what I want. I can have it my way. Jesus warns, no. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves. Be at peace with one another. Do not get too big for your britches. 
You are totally dependent on Christ and His love. Jesus calls His followers little ones or little children. That means no disciple can be the greatest and certainly not greater than their Lord. Every believer, including the twelve, are small and are in need of the greatest one, Jesus himself. Because it is through Jesus and Jesus alone who ushers in the rule and reign and kingdom of God through his cross and empty tomb. It is he who overcomes all the dark powers. And he is the one through whom everything good from God comes to you. Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves you. He is the king, you the subject. He is the shepherd, you the sheep. He, the Lord, you, his little ones, you belong to him. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.